0: Hey there, listeners. Welcome back to Drunk Book Club, where we read things you heard of and then didn't bother to read. My name is Vry, and with me, as always, is Dorothy. Hello. And this is our very last Drunk Book Club of the year. Sorry about the scheduling mess messarounds. We it's had...
1: been a semester.
0: Mm-hmm. It was not fair to ask her to do much graduate-level reading and also 500 pages of our latest commission, which we are very grateful for. Yeah. But it just
1: turned into a pile-up because I was also doing grading and writing and
0: stuff. (laughs) We just could not do it last week in specific. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Our last book club of the year is a commission from Kesla Toil. Thank you very much. Uh, As always, if you want information on how to commission us to do a movie or a book, you can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash trash and treasures. Dear Cass Littoyle, saddled us with...
1: Longtime friend of the show.
0: Yes, yes, good friend. Gifted us with Rainbow Rowell's Carry On, which was published in 2015 and has a sequel that came out in several years later that we did not read.
1: And there was one that was... It was supposed to release this year. I'm not sure if it's been pushed back due to COVID or what. And the titles of those. Boy, we will get to that.
0: Yes. Now, according to... <laughs> Her afterword, Raoul describes this book as a story about the worst Chosen One ever. Like a send-up of Chosen One narratives. Yeah,
1: this is sort of just her distillation of like the concept of the Chosen One narrative. Like that Ur archetype. And it had its genesis in her previous novel, Fangirl. This is a bit of a rabbit hole. So Fangirl is about a girl... Who is a fan? Whoa. She and her twin sister go to college and start to grow apart. And so she's sort of trying to navigate this sort of young adult life while also still feeling this connection to her fanish roots and dealing with her sort of position as a quasi big name fan in the
0: Simon Snow fandom, which is the series of books carry on encompasses
1: carry on would be book eight of this series if it existed but instead it's book one of the simon snow books in our universe but also it like shares a title with the fangirl character's fanfic but it's not her fanfic it's the book
0: which is a lot you can understand why there's a lot of Google questions asking whether or not this is canon or the character's fanfic. That is what I understand of its positionality. Is it
1: carry to be- on is carry on canon. So there's this or chosen one narrative. Tell me if you've heard this one. Go on. Um, A young child orphaned growing up Without a real home or family in England, is at the age of 11, transported to a magical school and told that he is the most importantest wizard ever. Mm Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mage. Mage. The headmaster seems to have some sort of quasi-benevolent, quasi-malign designs for him, which all may be tied up in the history of where he comes from and how he got his powers. And he also experiences rivalries with other students. And there's this whole very severe tension between magic and non-magic
0: users. No, I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to get a lot of use out of your degree this episode. Uh, for those of you at home who are just joining us, or we in, uh, haven't mentioned it in a while. <laughs> my
1: degree, in, uh, my BA in... um. In English, rhetoric and composition, or my MA in uh, text technologies and literature?
0: Uh-huh, that's what I mean. <laughs> Dorothy is a fanfic professional. No, no, Rainbow Rowell's a fanfic professional. But seriously, though, this is Harry Potter fanfic. It is Harry Potter fanfic. I'm and Specifically, Dreary. Rowell sort of admits that in extemporaneous interviews. She very... She's very skilled at spinning it into intentionality that she's directly evoking these works that you know so that she can put them on their head you see we're set in specifically year
1: eight of the non hogwarts curriculum so that everybody is 18 years old but also school's no longer compulsory it's technically optional this year but like everybody's 18 so they're legal in america this is not set in america it Rainbow. would like you
0: very much to know that it's set in the UK. Rainbow Rowell is American. She lives in Omaha, Nebraska with her husbands and sons. Where nobody has ever moved. You know, since the westward expansion. Mm-hmm. Like, people have moved there, but that was a bad thing. <laughs> and neither of us... You never ended up reading Fangirl, right? You just kind of had it. I,
1: I had it, and it just made me too uncomfortable to read, actually. Mm. I just I couldn't get into it, and I didn't it wasn't doing anything that was really helpful to what I was trying to write and trying to formulate at the time Mm. uh, from a scholarly perspective. I want to talk about, it didn't reflect my experiences of fandom. It like had a very specific construction of fandom.
0: I want to talk about that, but first we should talk about drinking. Drinking. What are we drinking?
1: So for this one, I posted some images on Twitter at trash pod. Of our drink. It's sparkly because I put a little tiny bit of um of confectioner's glitter in it, but the real ingredients the basis of my concept was a pink gin, which is a gin cocktail heavily identified with the Royal Navy and colonial expansion via Britain. Mm. Traditional pink gin is gin and angostura bitters. And often some ice water or soda, or tonic water if you're trying to avoid malaria. That's why G and T's became popular is because um, the quinine in tonic water fends off malaria. I decided to put a little twist on it, so I still went with a gin, but I went with an Old Tom gin, which is a uh, tawny um, sort of butterscotchy leaning gin that's been processed in an older style. And because that's my preferred type of gin, although I love all gins. I did still use the youngest year of betters, but I also threw in a splash of rose water. If you like your drinks a little sweeter, you could also just use a rose syrup and some soda water. I decided that the rose component worked well because of a line in the book wherein someone is referred to as someone's rosebud boy. Ugh. And, of course, the connection to the history of Empire will become evident. Because this is Harry Potter fanfic.
0: When Raoul put out Fangirl, the book that would later lead to Carry On's existence, I feel like she sort of cracked the seal on YA books about fandom. And she is responsible for I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Indirectly. Because
1: that writer for... Riverdale also wrote
0: a book about a fan. Well, and that's the issue, right? There have been a couple of these since. Uh the other, probably more infamous one from Fangirl is Ship It, which was written by the author who went on to write for Riverdale, and just is a hot mess. It technically has a queer protagonist, but in a way that seems very uh intended to stave off Potential criticism of the general. Sen- yes, the central conceit. Finding out the sad backstory behind why the sad by the straight man is why homophobic. Jensen, why
1: Jensen Ackles? Uh
0: huh. Yeah. No, it is Jensen Ackles.
1: It it, it is X P Jensen Ackles in that one. That makes this topical. <laughs> Can't wait to see what happens next week on my new favorite soap opera, The Supernatural fandom. Uh, apologies to those of you who are still invested in this but it is wild watching from the outside here when I bailed years ago (laughs) apparently Jensen tweeted a a picture of the handprint and that's this week's deal (laughs) Like I watched that scene and yes the handprint was present and yes I grasped its significance because you stayed way too long and I don't give a shit okay but the handprint is from literally I know it is first
0: (laughs) i said what i said okay you're right though (laughs) i said it so that comes out after that and then there are a couple of of other also rans as well there's one coming out by a trans writer um next year that i'm kind of interested in that's about a worm about the that is a sort of opposites attract rom-com about a member of a general nerd com and a a a member of a beauty pageant that's at the same building and shenanigans. shenanigans, Which is... Oh,
1: I hope somebody has to fix somebody's dress. You know, somebody's cosplay or somebody's pageant dress with the the help of your cosplaying skills (gasps) or your pageant skills.
0: Okay, that could be cute. Right? Well, all of this is based on the author's experience in 2016 when they went to a Sherlock Con which is part of my larger point that I know all of these books... Sorry, I made a face, (laughs) y'all. You can't see it, but... It was implied that all of these come from these very big, white fandoms, by and large. Raul is... Tia Boo fandoms. Yeah, specifically. Well, because Ship It came from Supernatural fandom, which is Tia Boo adjacent. Cause Tia adjacent because Su- Super Hulak. Which mm-hmm. apparently is still going strong on Pinterest. Um, the fact that it just migrated whole cloth. Incredible. Like, it's really this problem in YA fanfic where... YA literature about fanfic. <laughs> yeah, is codified in this very small section of it and it's like we've cracked it it's quirky young white girls who may or may not be straight having their first experience with these major very british leaning you know straight white dude type shows and and queering them mhm and it's this it's this issue that is only going to get worse as these books continue to be published down this line because it's entrenching that narrative that this is what fandom looks like, and it's continuing to not address the really pervasive problems with like racism in fandom and in these big fandoms because when we yeah live-
1: it's not touching any of like the work that like Rukmini Pandey and mm-hmm. and Stitch mm-hmm. are doing where they're really working to unpack both where fandom is located and how whiteness
0: dominates fandom and like having narratives in fiction like that that are quirky goofy fandom stories about protagonists who aren't white in large normative white fandoms would be a huge part of that and maybe those exist actually if they those probably exist and i'm just underread. if they do do drop us a line but they are not part of this you know singular crystallizing narrative and i think Part
1: of what contributes to that is that for three decades, the legitimizing factors in academia have leaned towards that exact same narrative of, you think fandom is all about dudes comparing their enterprise models and learning Klingon, but actually what the heart of fandom is, is white women talking about penises that's the true heart and soul of fandom. And like a lot of academic work for the past 30 years has focused on that and has looked at sort of how that can be an empowering way of interacting with texts and how it breaks down different barriers and, and operates for this very white affluent audience. There's always this presumption of a certain type of con behavior and, and access to conventions and access to technology. And this is one of the things I talked about when I was um, writing my master's thesis was the presumption of access and the initiative pro- the process where people are initiated into these closer circles of more gated off fan works happens because somebody decides they ch- they choose you and they trust you and they want to interact with you, which may not happen In the same way for people who are not of the same racial group Mm -hmm. as the head bitch in charge. And all of these are things that a lot of research on fandom have sort of glided over Mm -hmm. for a long time. It's not even to say that... And I'm off my hobby horse now.
0: (laughs) No, no. I coaxed you up there on purpose. This is part of my evil scheme. (laughs) It's not even to say that these are, you know, bad fandom... Well, they're troubling at a certain point. But it's they're not just that they redu- shouldn't be
1: they're reductive fandom narratives like yes all of that is happening but
0: there's also so much more going on in fandom and you're not a bad person if you were into xyz super popular thing i watched a lot of doctor who back
1: in the early 2000s and i'm a huge star trek tos fan is probably a lot of new listeners now <laughs> and i've gone backwards through fandom and I've done a lot of watching of Starsky and Hutch and and I was a huge Stargate SG-1 fan back in the day. Mm-hmm. So it's not even that like participating in large fandoms is bad but there tends to be this monolithic construction of fandom in works about fandom mm-hmm. where there is the one fandom. And I think for a lot of Harry Potter fans specifically
0: that was true. Yeah, I never... Outside of, you know, reading some Shoebox Project, I never interacted with Harry Potter in a participatory fandom way. So that was all. But so all of this is background for the fact that this is Harry Potter fanfic. And this was published in 2015, which is before J.K. Rowling started revealing that she was, you know, a monster turf.
1: But, like, but this there is, were already what? lots of
0: other things Rowling did bad. Right. This Yeah, this was after the Pottermore shit, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, and so much of this book is sort of just sassy backtalk at Rowling, but in the most shitty Tumblr way possible, if that makes sense.
0: I think so. Like, I still use Tumblr. I like it better than Twitter. <laughs> Twitter's a hell site. Tumblr's still a hell site, but nobody's there, so it's better.
1: Yeah. But, like... A lot of the take that's at rattling shittiness within the narrative are super toothless mm-hmm. and just sort of, haha ha, I'm sassy. Look how much better I did while not actually dealing with or addressing any of the problems that they're poking at.
0: Yeah, I feel like a tweet raul made fairly recently about how everyone is welcomed at watford after in light of the turfy bullshit which you know at least Raoul is a turf that's something except that, except that everyone is not welcome that's <laughs> there's kind of important to the plot <laughs> in fact it is a shitty exclusionary system it so hasn't thought through the deeper implications of its structure like she's thought about the chosen one stuff and literary theories, but she hasn't thought through the Yes, she's read a little Campbell. It's weird to go part way, you know? And I feel like that's that this is a book of half measures, where it will do interesting things, but then it's resting on that Harry Potter fandomness, which is It can elide
1: things, but also at the same time feels the need to go in on explaining every detail of the minutiae about everything that's different from Harry Potter. There's a lot of over-description in this 500-page book that shouldn't be 500 pages. Fuck no. Because so much of it is devoted to explaining exactly what things are slightly different from Hogwarts.
0: Yeah, it has very fanfic pacing, which we read a lot of fanfic. Yeah. (laughs) But fanfic has different structural needs than a published standalone novel. Fanfic exists on the premise of an existing text that you're already familiar with and so it uses those reference points and goes deep diving into either alternative expansions of them or you know the ones i like are deep character work it's not doing the structural bone building that a a novel novel has to do
1: right and since this is starting in their eighth year it keeps referencing back to the bones of the not harry potter series thus far Mm -hmm. like the road thus far it's called carry on and the sequel is called wayward son by the way
0: the third one's switching gears abruptly though
1: yes the third one is called anyway the wind blows but in the text of this one carry on is a reference to that song to bohemian rhapsody So the Wayward Son reference seems super awkward in between it, because, and it just feels like an attempt to cash in on Supernatural fandom because it's a road trip one,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in the same way this one's cashing in on Harry Potter fandom. So it's got this weird, awkward situation where it's trying to act as though, as you all know, Mm -hmm. but it's having to over-explain all of that. And because it is set in not Hogwarts, it has to... Constantly explain. Well, our school is so great because we don't use slave labor. Everybody has to wash their own clothes. don't Don't see why I had to explain that to you, dear reader. But it's there just to make
0: sure that you know that house elves aren't a thing. But also, not Draco's family is still very racist. Uh huh. Which is the other major problem in everybody this book. Everybody's super racist.
1: Like everybody is super racist, and I think that it's a situation where she thinks she's interrogating this idea about the good people growing up in this very racist society, but she doesn't offer any solutions or changed minds or anything, so Mm -hmm. there's no so what. It's just
0: enjoy all these racists. These sexy, sexy racists. And obviously, not every book needs to be exactingly didactic about its characters moral failings and tie everything up loosely but also if you are going to be creating a book that is about interrogating narratives of power structure which is what you're doing when you set out to question a chosen one narrative you should probably be careful in crafting the fact that your love interest is called out by multiple sympathetic characters for being a racist bastard but then both your protagonist and the narrative at large just kind of shrug their shoulders and be like "Eh, he's a tory who thinks that non-human species shouldn't be at uh at not warts
1: whatever and also just people generally whose blood isn't as nice and he knows from blood we should probably explain the characters and the plot you know, we should explain all the things that are different from Harry Potter.
0: You're right. All the parts that are not Harry Potter.
1: All the parts that are fanfic.
0: Yeah, it's an enemies to lovers fic. Uh, we have gender-swapped Hagrid. Hermione and Ron have been smooshed into one character. The thing is, I don't hate the basic, basic, basic plot. It's well, the writing that I hate. <laughs> but like the central rom-com hook that's like, I hate this dude, but oh no, while he has while he was away, his, mo- his mother's ghost came to me. And left me this message to find her killer. So now I, out of my own sense of duty to this dead woman, I am going to help this guy that I hate. And no, no, we have the feelings.
1: Yeah. So, our, like, that's fine enough. Yeah. So, are not Harry as Simon Snow? And he was found on a doorstep as a baby with the name Simon Snow scrawled on his arm and marker. And he's different from Harry Potter because he, um, he has a ruddy complexion and sort of golden brown hair that's curly, blue eyes, and he's very chavvy. He's He wears trainers and jogging suits and stuff. And I feel 100% like he's supposed to be face cast as, uh, as Taron Egerton in the beginning of Kingsman, which came out in 2014. And this came out in 2015. Like, I 100% feel like that's the face cast here. I, however, because I'm a horrible person, am picturing him more like more like Russell Howard, who is a British comedian who did an amazing reading of Fifty Shades of Grey.
0: I'll put it in the show notes.
1: It's great.
0: Boz... His his character gimmick is he has a long stupid name, so it's Basilton, isn't it?
1: it it's Basilton, but that's like his fourth name. His first name is Tyrannus, <sighs> Tyrannus something something Basilton some dumb fuck shit. He's a vampire and also a wizard. He's Draco, but he's also Lupin, and he's also Snape. Like his physical description is one hundred percent Snape. There's So much focus on his long nose and his long hair that he shouldn't grease back because it's so much more attractive when it falls around his face. And they have been roommates for the past seven years. But now we get back to school after Simon has just casually murdered some dude on his way to school. Oh yeah, that happened.
0: This was so long that I couldn't...
1: Yeah, there's this like super gory murder scene where... Because, you know, the Hogwarts Express is silly and childish. We need some edgy shit. Mm. And his cab driver turns out to be a goblin. That's right. And and he cuts dude's head off. And we don't really care about that. Even though we're supposedly, like, interrogating.
0: The magicians already happened when this book was published.
1: I mean, this doesn't kill the gays.
0: No, there, it there doesn't. There is
1: a Lev Grossman blurb on the package, is the thing. There's a Lev Grossman blurb.
0: I have nothing to say about The Magicians. I didn't get far enough into it. I I read half of it for a class that I was in, and then it was three quarters of the way through the semester.
1: So you were tired.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's how that went. But
1: Simon gets to school, and again, it's the last fucking year, and it's optional, apparently. But he's going to optional high school because he loves not Dumbledore, who is just known as the Mage or Dave. 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 We're going to call him Dave
0: for 500 pages, there are really only four or five important characters. Which, you know, you have Simon and Baz, there's Dave, who is being extremely obviously sinister throughout the entire thing.
1: Because he's doing Dumbledore shit,
0: but Raúl is doing that thing where she points out that Dumbledore's problematic.
1: I'm not even saying that Dumbledore isn't inherently sinister, but it's just He's so a sinister fuck.
0: <laughs> it's just so obvious. Well, and that's my biggest problem with this book, is that In trying to play around with specifically, let's what if Dumbledore was evil, actually, in our Harry Potter narrative, she, by necessity, ends up valorizing Baz's family, and they're still all, you know, they're same horrible Death Eater fuckers. You valorized your Nazi stand-ins in the middle of your thought experiment, and it's repugnant.
1: Everything about this book is intensely neoliberal. And it has extremely strong Mm remember-to-call-your-Trump-voting-family-members-because-they're-hurting-right-now
0: energy. Yeah, Dave is evil because he was a revolutionary guy who went too far. He wanted to bring out the guillotines, and that's what eventually made him a crazy cult leader. It's still unclear what actually the revolution was. But that's part of the commentary, don't you see? No, I don't, because it's unclear. (laughs) Revolutionaries
1: some have of, a lot of ideas and no plans, man. Some sort of thing happened, and Dave the Mage seized power, and he walks around doing fucking Legolas cosplay every day. And he forced them to make the only mage school in England, because that's a ridiculous concept that there's only one, except students who were not the best magic students. So he made them accept duds. And also people of mixed blood who can use magic. Also, wizards don't happen amongst
0: the normal population. Normal with a capital N. So magic is, in fact, as you say, a closed system. Except Simon. Simon, the only normal to ever manifest magical powers.
1: Because wizards don't let orphans happen. There's always somebody willing to take in an orphan wizard because magic is so precious and we keep it in the community or the family
0: and also not voldemort is running around causing havoc during all of this and he looks like 10 year old simon
1: 11 same age he was the first year
0: Uh, and he has the worst name ever no no you have to say this one. fine not voldemort is called the humdrum
1: And yeah, the humdrum is going around sucking up all the magic in places. And it's bad. And Simon is constantly under siege from magical creatures that want to kill him whenever it's convenient.
0: And you would think that an evil villainous monster and a murder mystery would move the plot along at quite a clip. And that would explain why this book is 500 pages long. But my friend, you would be incorrect because... Fuck and all doesn't happen for 250 pages. It takes 250 pages for them to have meeting one about Boz's dead mom. Yeah.
1: So, every 20 years, the veil between the worlds thins, allowing contact and visitings where ghosts show up where they kind of think you might be and give you the heads up on shit about their murders. But because Boz doesn't come back to school, optionally. Simon is doing that weird, stocky, obsessive thing where, where is he? Where is he?
0: Was that Half-Blood Prince? Half-Blood Prince. Yeah. I invested a lot of time in those books before before I moved on to the read-another-book camp, before I realized that J.K. Rowling thought I didn't exist, slash wanted me dead.
1: Yeah, but you won a trivia contest.
0: Yeah, I did, and then I gave all that shit away.
1: (laughs) So, because Simon is in the bedroom that he and Boz share at school that they've shared
0: for seven years while hating one another. But not being able to kill one another because magic rules.
1: Yeah, you're specifically not allowed to kill your roommate in your room. Anywhere else is fine. This right here? You'll be expelled. Switzerland. Yeah. He's just in there sleeping when dude's mom shows up and is like, Hey, talk to Dominic. I was murdered. You already know that because I was murdered by vampires and it was a very big deal. It was a major news story. But like, you know, avenge me, son.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, you're not my son. I guess you'll do. Avenge me. And then he's too stupid to notice that his own mother shows up like later that night. Poor Lucy. Poor Lucy. Literally not a person because we've forgotten to talk about all of these other very important characters in this book,
0: Fry. Right? You mean all the women who don't matter? All these very important characters. I, I know what I said.
1: and you said what you meant
0: i posted it on twitter ages ago now when this episode goes up but there's this very dire quote uh, in the book where simon's ex-girlfriend agatha and penny who is the mixture of of hermione and ron have a have christmas over at penny's house and for two seconds talk about not simon before going back to talking about simon and Penny's mother has to like Hoover in to t- to mention how great it is to live a life that passes the Bechdel test, and that is the only point in the book for where for half a page, they talk about something that is not the men in their life. It's even really then, it's bad. it's tenuous. It's very tenuous.
1: There's also this this weird again very neoliberal white feminism vibe where it's very important that we note that feminists are mean to traditionally feminine women and why don't we think about that for a minute
0: yeah agatha gets shit on a lot for liking pink but we're implicitly
1: supposed to support agatha and think that penny's too strident because ultimately it's agatha who really sees how the world works but Like, we're definitely supposed to think that Agatha is superficial, but she's also the only person who, like, is actually seeing what's going on in her life, in a
0: way. It's mm-hmm. really weird. Penny's not as... She's the cause of all that weird shit in the book where she's and, constantly shitting on her roommate, who we never see. Uh-huh. And... who is Who keeps bringing her girlfriend over.
1: Yeah. Um. Penny hates her roommate because her roommate's... Definitely not because her roommate's a lesbian. Because her roommate's a pixie and annoying. Because that makes it okay. As if somebody's neurodiverse and of a marginalized race, that's okay to shit on them for.
0: No, 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 no. It's just because she keeps having annoying loud sex in their dorm room, and that's all there is to it.
1: But it's not because she has annoying loud sex in their dorm room. It's literally because she's a pixie and that has, there are, behavioral traits associated with this racial makeup. Like that she's flighty and loud and pestery. And like, she's emotional.
0: And she's just so manic. Yeah, that was a joke that they made and then my soul left my body. Yeah, Rainbow Rowell just threw in
1: a manic pixie dream girl joke.
0: I'm not sure whether this book wants me to like Agatha or Penny more because Agatha has- Oh, I don't think we're supposed to like either of them. Like- Agatha has moments of insight, but she's also superficial. But she's also a superficial character who fails to grasp the gay love that is going on in front of her. And Penny is the the sort of fat best friend character.
1: But don't worry, she fucks We know this
0: because Simon notices that she seems
1: more womanly after spending a summer with her boyfriend.
0: I mean, it is nice to have a fat character who fucks.
1: Yeah, but it's gross that her dude friend is noticing her sudden womanliness. You couldn't think of a better way to... Yeah. The pros in this is poor. You couldn't have just had them talk about it. Yep. And also, this is her dude friend who looks at her as the totally sexless fat best friend, except for that one really weird moment when he notices her plump thighs and pinches them own Ugh. Penny also has this very secret way of sneaking into the boys' dorm because ho ho ho. And she has this very secret way of making it into the dorm, and no, it's not because of anything interesting, like the dorms are badly programmed and let in trans people or anything. <laughs> no, it's just that her mom had the horn many years ago.
0: I don't get to make commentaries on how this book handles race, and try as I might, I didn't find much. I will say that penny is south asian we know that her grandmother spoke hindi but that's kind of as specific as it gets she's there's like multiple notes that they're very divorced from their own culture and raul has been in the news lately because she very poorly handled critique of eleanor and park which is about to be adapted into a movie and is one of her other books and how it was i feel like really park. racist I feel like Park would get along with Cho Chang. Kind of. Given their name issues. Mm-hmm. There's not the egregiousness here that you see with the multitudes of of criticism that there were for, for that book. But I feel like the core issue is the same.
1: Yeah. And and with Penny, it's, it's very odd because Raul is doing this weird two-step where at the one point she's emphasizing that these wizards are much more engaged with normal society so that they're aware of pop culture and they do a lot of normal stuff and then they just go away to magic boarding school, but they're not totally separated. But at the same time, she's doing this thing where they are actually super totally separated from normal society. And they're like not even aware of cultural Christianity In an explicitly and legally Christian nation. But so it creates this weird situation where she's freed herself to essentially have characters of color who only experience racism from the secular guy who has bumbled the fuck in here from normal society so that then the characters of color can engage in bigoted discourse towards less privileged groups and like it's like i'm gonna blow your mind did you know that people of color can be bigoted if they
0: have privilege my mind blown blown yeah and there's there's been quite a lot of talk about how the book handles queerness to like boz is openly gay simon he's out to himself right but he, he he has a label for himself and like simon does not which there has been much back and forth about, like, yes, it's good to have a character who is still working out their sexuality, but it's really annoying and troubling that he never even considers bi. Like, I feel the the phrase gay, partly gay, comes up. It's like... T- gay for you. Like, it's, it's a lot of that dialogue of, I don't know what I am, but I know I like looking at you. Right, and, like, sometimes, you know, when you're that age, you don't know. But again, if you're gonna use... But, like, I'm going to ask you, Fry. Mm -hmm.
1: When you were looking at people you found attractive at that age,
0: Uh did you know that that was not a straight thing? Yes. Well, and especially because he's supposed to be that character who is experienced with the secular world. But, yeah, there's no bisexuals. No bisexuals in this universe.
1: The only lesbians
0: we get are... The off-screen lesbians. The the off-screen obnoxious roommate... God, I liked her. What was her name? Not Hagrid. Eb. Eb. I really Ebeneza. liked her. Ebenezer. She's dead. She's dead. Yeah, every, again, every woman in this book is either sidelined or dead. Just to quickly wrap up the plot, because it doesn't really, really matter. matter. When Dave got okay, on this his- this
1: mystery is extremely not hard to figure out, and that's part of the problem, is it's an agonizing slog. Number one- through 250 pages before they even start investigating and then another 250 pages to wrap up something that you as the audience are screaming about
0: so baz's mom got killed because dave paid off some vampires to ambush her so that he could secure his his power and at that point baz as like a five-year-old got turned into a vampire but our vampires are different and it turns out that dave is actually simon's dad because he thought well if i can't i I, we can't just be waiting around for our magical savior to come we have to go ahead and make one so let's follow
1: all of these prophecies and create one and he was in an abusive relationship with a woman named lucy who literally gets no justice ever nope nobody solves lucy's murder nobody knows lucy was murdered this is a scathing commentary on abusive relationships.
0: Well, the, it's clearly supposed to be a parallel between her and Agatha. Because yeah,
1: she's definitely meant to be foiling Agatha because Agatha is excruciatingly aware of her own position as Simon's girlfriend and how she exists for plot purposes and will definitely always just be taken hostage and eventually
0: die. And so her decision is to fuck off and live in the mortal world at the end of the story, but it's so, it's so nothing, especially because she's
1: taking her inspiration from lies she was told to her about Lucy, and it carries this implication that ultimately no woman can survive being in a relationship with a great man, capital letters there, mm-hmm. and really the only person who can match a great man is another man, is the inadvertent.
0: It's so clearly not intended and yet here we are. Yeah. And Lucy's character is extremely, despite the multiple POV shifts that this book does very inconsistently and it drove me up the wall. Oh, Lucy's character is extremely underdeveloped because of how little time she gets.
1: And yet we keep like periodically dipping into her head. This-
0: and meanwhile, Eb are not Hagrid who it turns out is like a secret backup chosen one. We le- super powerful and also a bean
1: yeah and also her twin brother is a vampire and he's the only wizard who ever deliberately became a vampire which is ridiculous
0: we learn that she is like super powerful and interesting pages before she dies
1: like we don't even get as many scenes as you get with hagrid it's just the first time we meet her we find out that she's an interesting person.
0: No, that's not true. There's like one scene very early on where Simon says, hey. Yeah, basically. And then we see her again once we figure out, oh shit, her brother is the vampire contact we need to talk to. She's just so
1: annoyingly weepy. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And womanly. And like, her best life would have been not exerting her power, but rather stepping away from the wizarding world. And it's so unfair. So again, it's this running trend of women should not be required to bear up under the requirements of power. It's cruel
0: to expect women to do stuff. Because, like, I think she's trying to write Simon's power as a burden, but also he's able to channel it through Boz because something-something, you know, connection or whatever.
1: Boyfriends.
0: Uh Uh-huh. And that's an empowering thing, but oh but i will say it's kind you know i'll give her this it's kind of a neat idea to have your chosen one se- your to have your villain set up around not not voldemort it turns out is this very spooky dead zone made in the 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 vacuum of when simon got created by the ritual so like he's this embodiment of anti magic that sucks it up out of the area around him and you know leaves it's like sucks the life out of things and he's this forever frozen image of the protagonist from this moment in time and that's that's kind of neat
1: yeah and you would say you haven't encountered that in a book about magic academies before about like chosen one boys at magic academies i have not i regret to inform you uh-huh this is the plot of a wizard of earth sea god damn it
0: Well, it shows me for not having read more Ursula K. Le Guin yet.
1: Yep, yeah. I mean, this is straight up poached from a Wizard of Earthsea, Le Guin's much earlier Wizard Academy book. (laughs) Yeah, like that's Ged's whole problem, is that in a fit of arrogance, did an ill-advised magic to raise a dead lady, actually, and uh, accidentally created a rent in the universe that's a mirror of himself that goes around fucking things up until they finally meet and neutralize one another. Oh. Like, that's the entire point, is that, like, your negative mirror has to be accepted and reabsorbed back into yourself and negotiated on a self-level instead of externalized. That's the plot of A Wizard of <laughs> Earthsea. Motherfucker! <laughs> and, and Le Guin, considering that Le Guin thought uh,
0: that Rowling wants shit. I'm going to put that interview in the show notes because <laughs> it's truly spectacular.
1: Yeah. But like when Gwen was writing philosophical fantasy she was mm. engaging with these philosophical concepts and, rather than these structural plot
0: concepts. And part- so this is a different way of engaging with fiction. Well and part of me does feel a little bad when you know you it's not fair to expect fantasy authors in modern days to never retread any of the same concepts as as major works of fiction in the genre beforehand unless of course you are writing a book that is explicitly intertextual in which case i will ding the fuck out of you for that <laughs> it's not just that this book has hung its hat on a work of fiction that has now turned out to be deeply poisoned at the root it's that when you make your book entirely existent on another property that you didn't make you've opened a whole world of hurt you've opened the hurt locker and you've put yourself inside I'm so sorry I've never seen that movie so like I don't know if this metaphor works it's no it's worse than that I have done a Boston's Favorite Son reference and I am deeply ashamed of my words and deeds it's just so nothing by the end, especially because, uh, you know, you have the what you referred to as the howl moment at the end where, you know, Simon loses his magic and is uh, partially transformed for forever into into like
1: a horrible winged beastie. Mm-hmm. We've hardly talked about Simon and Boz's relationship because it's fucking boring. I'm sorry. Boz is tortured and sad. He's the closest thing to an interesting character in the book. He kind of is, yeah. Which is I'm a problem, a... because he's a fucking racist.
0: He's Draco. Once again, it is deeply concerning that uh, this book has put Draco Mouth... Malf- Look, we all as teenagers. I shouldn't say I as a teenager. <laughs> he's not wearing leather pants, but... They're implied. Yeah, I am a sucker for a self-loathing gay, so there's something there with Buzz. That wasn't there before? hmm well, if we're talking about the canon it's coming from, then yes.
1: <laughs> it's really disturbing to me that Ebb's brother Dominic, her twin brother Dominic, who sort of fomented the situation when he became a vampire, like they run through this list of why would anybody want to be a vampire? Like, do you live forever? No. Do you stop aging? No. Maybe just because, like, vampires are immune to diseases. And, like, if you're deliberately engaging with the fact that, like the Lupon, sorry, Lupin, Lupon is different. That's a different. I've read That's... that though. <laughs> <laughs> no, Lupon is not allowed to be a vampire. I'm putting my foot down. That was an episode. No, it was though. Not allowed. It's a
0: good but episode.
1: <laughs> if you're engage- if you're deliberately engaging and evoking the whole remus lupin's backstory is this aids metaphor that is also unfortunately uh visited on a child to really call into question the innocent victims of aids shut the
0: hell up joanne you you can't then do that shit you have to think about what you're evoking which this book does not it's about the implication (laughs) There's this conversation between Baz and Simon. Where Who cares? He's a Nazi. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> There's an
1: Always Sunny for Everything.
0: Mm-hmm. There's this conversation between Baz and Simon where I think it's Baz is talking about like he name drops Paddington. Then Simon is like, the bear? Motherfuckers, you are British. Yeah. That stupid little exchange to me is so very the book because it goes out of its way to name drop British thing after British thing, including a random description of children as having like Billy Piper mouths, which I assume means they have a tiny gap between their teeth.
1: I hope. But like that, that feels so skeevy to me because I remember when Molly Ringwald mouths was a, uh, like a byword for she probably gives good head. Gross. Yeah, no, like, but that whole yeah. extremely full lips on a female
0: celebrity thing. Like, it just skeeves me out. Yeah. <laughs> and so applying that to children. No fair. But, like, you have something like that, and then Paddington, who is like. I, I, Everybody knows Paddington. Right. It, it's like. play like Paddington 2 is a great film. So I've been told. It's like if you set this in America and, and he was like, you know, like Winnie the Pooh. The bear? Winnie the Pooh's British. God damn it. You know what I mean, though. No, no, I do. I do. But, like,. That kind of reach. That kind of little thing that every character in this book should know, but now you've tipped your hand that we need to have this readable for American tiaboos, just in case.
1: I can't imagine that this is readable for British people, frankly.
0: Even if we're spelling color with a U. Do you think it's like when Americans read Fifty Shades of Grey? The Merc. There are no inner goddesses here, but... I don't even hate... Simon and Baz's relationship. It's just that it's so perfunctory. It definitely has that fanfic edge of
1: they hate one another until the plot kicks in and then they work with one another with almost no issue. And they're doing that thing where why why is everybody else surprised that we're working together good and Mm -hmm. sort of gaslight their friends? (laughs) And then when they need to kiss, they just kiss. It is full on one of those And now they kiss moments. And why did we do that?
0: I guess we're boyfriends now. It's not that archetypal romances are bad. Comfort food is comfort food for a reason. But it just... But also, if you're,
1: again, critiquing a chosen one narrative, I need to critique
0: this romance arc. Is the inherent subversion of it that it's queer? That it's rivals to lovers? um... That he's not ending up
1: with the perfect girl? Because... Almost no stories have anybody end up with the perfect girl anymore. The, the perfect girl is an obstacle girl.
0: I mean, I think she's supposed
1: to be Ginny, Agnes's. She doesn't feel ginny to me. I thought Penelope, or not Penelope, no, the the one who, whose voice got wiped out, mm. mm-hmm, was, was supposed to be the Ginny. I thought that she was the Cho. I mean, I thought Agatha was the Cho-Chang. Like, the beautiful and... Mm-hmm. But ultimately... But, like, that's the thing. Like, he was
0: never going to end up with Cho Chang because she was too cool for him. Mm Mm-hmm. And just so, gosh darn, a stick in the mud being sad about her dead boyfriend. How dare she?
1: Like, you never have a story where, these days, where the perfect boy ends up with the perfect girl. The narrative is always about changing that. So when you're Mm -hmm. changing that, what do I get out of it?
0: Right. I mean there are an awful lot of articles about this book that's like harry potter but gay so i mean maybe we are just Spoiled? humble yes a humble queers upon our farmland out of touch with what the mainstream ya market is looking for thank god for that
1: it's not much but it's honest work
0: it left me feeling so cold and it made me think about how like two years ago i reblogged a- I reblogged a piece of fan art that I thought was Louis and Armand and someone informed me it was from this series and then I was sad.
1: Mm. Could be worse. You could have accidentally reblogged a piece of art for that Slave Fix series.
0: Oh. Yeah. Fuck. Somebody's gonna pay us to read that now. Not if I cut this. We do not have the range. (laughs) We already talked about Exit to Eden. No, no. They're all white.
1: (laughs) We haven't even talked about Fiona. Oh god, not Bellatrix. I blocked her out. Not Bellatrix, not Tonks. Yes, they've combined Bellatrix and Tonks because moral relativity, you see. Bellatronx. <clears throat> she Honk came from tricks. the future.
0: <laughs> so, the fact that this ends- It would have been
1: so much more interesting if she had been acknowledged to be as shitty as she in fact is. Baz, the reason he didn't come to school for the first month of school- is was because he was kidnapped by a bunch of numpties. Which are? Well, in reality, that's just a word that means, like, dumbass. But in this, they are magical creatures. We will explain what they are in a minute. I need to get through this description of events first before I have feelings. They threw him in a coffin for six weeks, which is Honestly, fucking chilling. Mm -hmm. Like, that's fucked up. And they would occasionally chuck in some blood for him. Because he's a vampire.
0: Right, and we eventually find out that he's- They're supposed to be keeping him out of the way on Dave's orders. Yeah.
1: Well, and also because, you know, the alternative is to kill him. Apparently nobody else has any vampires in the family. They all just slink off to live uh, lives of shame in London. And it's really weird because you can't queer code vampirism and relate it to, like, fears of disease and contamination and then also have him be queer. It's really weird. Or it's like, my family also don't acknowledge that I'm queer. We also constantly use the F word to refer to cigarettes. And Boy, kids. does it! And she is an American author. Get the fuck out of here with that. Knock it off. She's also straight. She she's married and has two kids and I am comfortable saying she's
0: straight even if she is not straight this book reads straight let us say that,
1: that there, yeah there is no real awareness of what an attractive woman might be but I'm comfortable saying that she's a straight person yeah. yes anybody could be bisexual or pansexual and we wouldn't know but like
0: we, is, <laughs> we read 500 pages of this shit
1: yeah But, so, like, there's this really chilling narrative that we don't find out about until it's, like, recapitulated in, like, two pages. As Boz wanders back into school being the slouchy bad boy.
0: Which is a shame because, actually, Raoul isn't too bad at writing uh, good crystallized bits of horror imagery, like the moment when uh, Penny has a flashback of... Of her and uh, Simon getting lost somewhere, and and him ha- and Simon having magic to these wings that he can't doesn't know how to get rid of, and they're just kind of rotting and falling off his shoulders. That scene was good. That was good shit.
1: I also like the scene where where Simon found Buzz, you know, in the crypt under the school, and Simon is so fucking insensitive and
0: stupid that he literally never, throughout the entire book, makes the connection to this is my mother's grave. Because he sucks. Simon's a terrible protagonist and I do hate him.
1: But yeah. And it's really weird. We, the audience, find out about Simon's mother and her abusive relationship with Dave and her death and all of that. And literally no one else does. There's no resolution to that.
0: Yeah. And yes, maybe it's it's about the the unseen violence done to women throughout history, but there's also no catharsis for the reader any more than the characters. Like I guess that justice is done for her in that Dave is dead, but like fuck that.
1: But yeah, and the power dynamics continue to be weird throughout because like the numpties
0: Yes, you were going to explain. Yeah.
1: The the numpties are described as these mentally not up to human standards magical creatures that are large and strong but very passive and they tend to live under bridges preferentially and they will do things in return for like they like to wear bathrobes and blankets and wrap up in them and And crowd around fires, yeah, and and they will do anything to like have a hot water bottle or a fire to crowd around. So it's this extremely clear portrait of disadvantaged homeless people. like that that is what this is. And we have Baz's aunt swooping in to save him and like killing a couple of them when these are clearly just coded they're unhoused but it's okay to kill them because we've dehumanized them to the extent that it's okay to kill them Mm -hmm. and we don't understand their cognition and when they fall over they appear to be part of the landscape
0: and it even adds the detail that they thought they were treating Baz humanely but they were just too stupid to realize that they that this wasn't a thing he could eat no,
1: they were providing him blood, but literally no one in this knows that he needs to also eat a
0: sandwich with his blood.
1: So that's not even them being worse at vampire husbandry than anyone else.
0: <laughs> the fact that Boz is literally described as a Tory, our love interest, everyone. And yet he's still the most uh, the most interesting character in the book. Well, except for Lucy and Eb. Eb. But Eb dies. Yeah, he's the, the most interesting character who doesn't die. I can see why people took to this novel in twenty fifteen. Because at that point, you know, J.K. Rowling had just done racist things, and that's easy to ignore and continue liking the book that we like. And this very much As appears-white
1: ass fangirls.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and like this very much appears to be what if Harry Potter, but it had gays in it. Was it was woke. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So I can see why it gathered a bunch of positive reception around it i don't understand all of the positive reviews that say it has wonderful world building
1: because it's literally the world building is assume harry potter until she mentions a difference
0: Mm -hmm. that's the world building but it's just as somebody who does as an academic and a media critic who professionally talk about you know interplays of, of fiction professionally it's a very very frustrating book
1: and as a writer
0: of fa- of fiction
1: and fan fiction, it's very frustrating because it reads sloppily. Just construction-wise, there are sloppy aspects to it. Like, when I'm doing research for a writing project, I plot things out in a very concrete, specific manner, and I figure out where things need to be mentioned before they come into play. And this book does shit like go about four-fifths of the way through before doing the joke where we mention that all of Penny's siblings also have P names. Even though it's already been mentioned. But we literally list all of their names and then mention, hey, their names are all start with a P.
0: It's just sloppy. There's a lot of very frustrating, poor technical prose that, that makes it for... Like, it's not necessarily that it's a... Sl- low read it clips along the the margins are quite wide
1: Um, it clips along but it could clip along better if it didn't have a fucking 250 page stodgy section before the plot starts where we just wallow into the world and read every list of things simon likes and every list of food simon eats this book should be 300
0: pages long not 500 yeah
1: and i don't need to know what simon eats butter a lot of it so much butter but he's but so he's still thin. thin just like boss is so thin yeah both of our protagonists have been cruelly starved over the summer allowing them to be supermodel skinny no no but we have a sympathetic fat character who is again the desexualized character who is fucking someone far far away but yeah, the the resolution is the Simon cancels out the humdrum and then Simon gives up all his magic, but he
0: still has a tail and wings. And then he goes to prom. Dave is dead, and we will put oh and we'll put Penelope's mom in, who is not like those Nazis. She's just
1: low-key racist. Right.
0: She's a moderate.
1: Moderate racist. Uh-huh. But you know, she's non white, but like she's only racist against people who don't have magic powers and Really, if they don't have magic powers, they're obviously not as good as people
0: who do have magic powers. It's a very pre-2016 book.
1: Well, and the fact that the relationship happens literally because somebody kisses somebody else, because I don't know.
0: No. Stop yelling. But Baz has had feelings since they were 12.
1: Or 15, depending on which page.
0: Every potentially interesting angle that could have been fleshed out into something... Kind of sputters out and goes nowhere, and then sometimes the section breaks become head hopping and I want to die.
1: Yeah, so in the first three sections of this book, head hoppings only happen at chapter breaks, and those happen on discrete pages. Like a chapter will end, the next page will start, and that'll be a, a change of perspective. In section four, that disintegrates, and suddenly we head hop within chapters. Including one time where we hop for literally one sentence in another character's perspective and then hop back. Because she couldn't kill that joke that she was really pleased with during a draft. It's that kind of line. Yeah. And then in section five, we are back to one character per chapter. And it's really frustrating because I was almost trying to give her credit and be like, maybe she's saying something about like the disintegration of boundaries between these characters. Like, maybe... This typesetting choice is really doing something. But no. It was not. Like, I was willing to lean in. And I did like the magic system conceptually. But Yeah, the
0: fact that words have power. Words mean things. Like everything else, it feels like it has holes in it if you look at it for more than a couple of seconds.
1: Yeah, because it waffles between... Common phrases have the power of their popular meaning and also you need to have a very precise execution of this phrase and a very concrete grasp of the only meaning it should be allowed to have if you're going to do magic with it. It's weird. Which
0: is very interesting if we're talking about prescriptive definitions of, of words and phrases. But...
1: Except that she's doing popular linguistics and also mentions that they've canceled linguistics classes. And why is Simon learning Greek? Greek is not a common language to have bon come out. It would make more sense if you were learning, like, fucking Spanish or Japanese.
0: What does Shikatanai do? Uh,
1: no, seriously, think about the power a weeb would have in this
0: universe. Because they only know... Phrases that they've, tiny phrases that they've misunderstood.
1: Exactly. Like, think how powerful that would be. <laughs> the
0: fucking Naruto fan. Just the all over <laughs> the
1: countryside.
0: <laughs> right? God. Isn't it great? It's a little great. Aren't you energized by this concept? Honestly, <laughs> I am. That's a good and healing note to end on. Yeah. I'm not reading the next one. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm gonna not read some
1: wayward sun now.
0: I'm gonna read some real fanfic, <laughs>
1: <laughs> some fanfic that's not embarrassed of itself,
0: yay, and let this all be a lesson in why you shouldn't just sell your fanfic with the names changed. The bones tell the bones always tell,
1: <sighs> even if you really want to show how much cleverer you are than the original author.
0: We all feel that we've all been there. cough
1: but only the other fans will get it. And mm-hmm. yes. This is saturated enough that all the real fans are the general buying public. But come on. What are you doing with it?
0: Like if you're going to do something with it. Like rainy, come on. Bo. <laughs> nope. Rowie. Oh, I do hate that. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. I
1: think that's quite enough of that. It's definitely enough of that. Uh, I'd like to thank again Toyle for commissioning us to do this episode. It's been really fun doing these commissions and I hope more people continue to bring us stuff that we wouldn't have looked at ourselves. Mm-hmm.
0: It is fun to sort of puzzle out why people find things interesting. Not in a derogatory way, but like genuinely. It, it's really neat. That about wraps us up on this one. If you liked this episode, you can always find more by searching for Trash and Treasures on your podcatcher of choice. If you could leave us a rating or review, we'd really appreciate it. It helps folks find us. You can also email us if you have longer form thoughts at TrashTreasuresPod at gmail.com We love to get email. Or you can find us on social media. We are TrashAndTreasuresPod.tumblr.com or we are at TrashPod on Twitter. And I'm sorry... But Twitter ate all of the the tweets I had bookmarked. So if you said something and I haven't shouted you out yet, I'm really sorry. Thanks so much for joining us, listeners. And take care of yourselves.
1: Bye, y'all.